Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Today is part three in a four-part series. If you're just joining us, you're going to love this. Kim went to a conference up in Colorado, and she'll tell you a little bit more about that. But she took her podcasting equipment and interviewed seven amazing people. And we've broken those interviews up into four different podcasts. So there's going to be two interviews included in today's podcast, and I can't wait. Kim, tell me who you brought on for this interview today. Oh, I have several. Well, I have three people today. And yeah, it's a couple and, and then an individual. So it's an amazing set today. The first one is Leslie Samuelrich of Green Century Funds, and then we have Sam Adams and Sarah Adams, not the Sam Adams of Beer Infamy, hmm. right? All right, all right. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a, a much different podcast today. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> He's a really nice guy, though, but we did not have beer while we were talking. All right, uh, well, you know, to each his own. <laughs> Right. So there's a theme today's interviews. We talked a lot about shareholder advocacy with these folks. So I wanted to put them together on this podcast because of the theme that we talked about. And it was it was inadvertent. I didn't uh, set out to do that. If you'll notice, if you're listening to the series, I did not ask everyone the same questions. Mm-hmm. I thought about doing that. But as I started to talk to folks, I realized that that wasn't going to work because they're individuals and they all have a different focus. So I decided that I was just going to go with the flow and talk to people in a real way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and and that's kind of what happened. So Leslie Samuelrich is the president of Green Century Funds. And I've known Leslie for a very long time, and we've talked so much about shareholder advocacy. Green Century Funds is uh, probably, I believe, the first family of mutual funds that did the fossil fuel-free system. Hmm. And they do it very well. They really do so much work in the shareholder advocacy arena. And they have had so much success this last year in their shareholder advocacy work. Leslie told me a very interesting fact that she's going to share with us. And it's going to blow your mind. So let's listen to to what Leslie has to say. Sounds good. And yeah, can't wait to hear what you think. This is Kim Griego-Kyle with Deep Impact Investing Podcast, and I'm here at the ESG for Impact Conference in Colorado Springs, and I have a, another special guest. I have Leslie Samuel Rich with Green Century Funds. I've been wanting to get her on my podcast for a while, 
So I'm really happy to have you here, Leslie. Thanks. Kim, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So Leslie, how long have you been with Green Century? I started about nine years ago. Great. And what did you do before? It's a good question. I don't have the (laughs) usual path to be running a mutual fund company. I spent about 30 years working in the environmental and public health fields. So working for nonprofits and helping lead campaigns to get either state advocacy legislation passed or to organize to press companies to make changes. Well, it's very similar to what you're doing now with Green Century. Right. Uh, And that's partially in the last job I had, I was chief of staff at a group called Corporate Accountability, and they ran global public health campaigns. And that's where I first got introduced to shareholder advocacy as a strategy and tactic to use. Great. I want to talk, actually, I want to talk a lot about Mm -hmm. some of the great campaigns that you had and the successes that you've had recently with the advocacy. Sure. So tell me what your favorite or what you feel is your most successful campaign recently. Oh, there's so many. I know, um. I know. We could, <laughs> right. we could probably talk for an hour on them, but let's talk about them. Okay. So what's exciting for you? Well, I really like the plastic pollution prevention campaign that we launched. Yes, you mentioned that earlier and you, you told us something that made my jaw drop so share that with us i think the fact you're referring to is that people through the food they eat ingest a credit card's worth of plastic each week on average i couldn't believe that i know when i read it my jaw dropped and i sent it to our advocate and i said is this have you fact checked this is this true and it unfortunately it is true And it's because when fish and other water uh, mammals are swimming or animals are swimming, they mistake plastic for food. And so they can't tell the difference. And so there's, you know, small pieces of plastic and medium-sized pieces of plastic. And so they eat them. And then it just, it moves through the food chain. That's, that just blows my mind. I, podcast 53 that I did was about what is really sustainable seafood and Mm, and it's really difficult to determine what or if there is sustainable Sustainable, seafood and that was one of the things i discussed is how much plastic is in our oceans and how much the fish are and the seafood are you know eating right and wow well do you remember it was a couple years ago when there was a photo that it felt like it went around the globe with the turtle with the straw stuck yep. in its nose. Yeah. And so that's when we first started really paying attention to the issue more and said, okay, well, what, what as Green Century can we do about it? We'd already been supporting general recycling and reduction pieces, but we decided to dive in last year on it. And one, to get back to your actual original yes. question, one of the successes that was most exciting is probably getting Coke to pledge to reduce its use of virgin plastics. And so it will reduce it by 3 million metric tons by 2025, which is the equivalent of 200,000 bottles a day. A day? A day. So it's a lot. There is a lot of plastic that's being produced out there, and there's alternate ways to do it. So 
Do you remember when we all thought the answer was recycling? And so that is partly the answer, but the problem is that in that triangle of recycling, reduce, and reuse, we really, as a society, were focused on the recycling part and making, and companies were focused on making plastics and other materials that were recyclable, but being recyclable doesn't mean they get reused or recycled. So we decided to go at the top and go, all right, let's reduce the amount of plastics to begin with, with the idea that, you know, nothing you use for a few seconds should stay on the earth for hundreds of years. Brilliant. So... That's what we did, and we had a lot of success this year. I think a lot of things lined up, and corporations were starting to think about it already or were receptive to investor interest and pressure on it. So we're going to keep going on it next year, too. Great. Yep. What other areas have you focused on with advocacy? Well, we have a longstanding campaign. It's around climate change, but it attacks climate change by stopping deforestation. So we focused on the whole supply chain of palm oil and soy and a little bit on cattle. So palm oil has been in Southeast Asia and soy is the main driver of deforestation in Brazil and parts of Latin America. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep, and cattle too in yeah. Brazil. And so... We have been doing that for a long time, and we expanded to the boreal forest this year in North America to pressure Procter & Gamble to stop using old-growth forests for its products like Charmin and Bounty in particular. And we've made some progress with them. We're looking to make some more. And then an exciting campaign. There's two new ones we're starting this year. Oh, I love exciting. So okay. tell me. Okay. Yeah. So I hope you find it exciting. So yeah. one is... I love advocacy. It's, it is exciting to me. So yeah. Good. That Well, I think that's where public equities really make a difference. Yeah. So... I agree. You have to have that to be able to show your clients and be able to actually go, my investment is doing this. Right. Um, yeah. What's the actual impact? Right. Yeah. Beyond the moral alignment. So... The first campaign is around right to repair or repair, don't replace, which is, which is allowing customers and consumers to get their products like an Apple phone or all the way up to a big John Deere tractor to get it repaired in the way we want it to be. Right now, if you don't get your phone fixed by Apple, your warranty is voided. And if I you, bet a lot of people don't know that. But Apple makes it pretty difficult to get your phone repaired. And really, they want you to replace it, which is part of the whole disposable economy. And right. so, so we filed a shareholder resolution with them. And we also just recently filed one with John Deere because it's a lot bigger than a phone. But right. for farmers, if their tractor breaks down, they're only allowed to have a John Deere licensed person fix it, which it's a monopoly on on the fixing and it rises the cost for farmers. And so people really just want the right to repair. So it's it's both an environmental issue for us, but it's also just really a consumer issue. Consumer rights, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the other campaign? The other one is around ensuring our future. That's the name of it. And it is to stop more fossil fuel projects. 
So, as you know, we're the first family of fossil fuel-free, responsible, and diversified mutual funds in the U.S. Which is one of the reasons we love you. Thank you. And we need to still put more pressure on the fossil fuel industry to really stop doing what they're doing and to pivot into cleaner energy or to get smaller and phase out of business. So one of the ways to stop new projects from starting is to pressure insurance companies not to provide underwriting services for them because a fossil fuel company can't go forward with a new project unless it's insured and clever yes so we are targeting some of the larger insurance companies many of them out of Hartford Connecticut which was once the insurance capital of the world (laughs) and where my grandparents grew up and we are really excited about it because it's just it's another way to put pressure on this industry that is really driven climate change. And so for our investors, and I think a lot of your, if not all of your investors, yeah. that is a huge issue and one that is sometimes hard to figure out beyond what you do in your own life, how you can make an impact on it. It's a little overwhelming. So It is. And our clients really want to know that their investments are making an impact course. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in that area. And I think our clients want to thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, (laughs) we really appreciate you and your clients because none of it would be possible unless people were investing in Green Century. And also the amount of investors that we have behind it and the feedback we get helps shape the campaigns and what investors really care about. So We really appreciate you and all that the firm does, and I hope many more people find you so that they can... Thank you. They can make an (laughs) impact through their investments, too. Great. Thank you so much, Leslie, for spending a few minutes with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Here at this busy conference that we're having, and may you have lots more success in all of your campaigns. Thank you, Kim. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right, Eric. How do you feel about... The fact that we all consume <laughs> a credit card's worth of plastic. Okay, so I got to be honest. As I was listening to that, I use these little plastic toothpicks, and I had uh-huh. one in my mouth, <laughs> and I took it out and I looked at it like it was <laughs> like it was my own enemy. I'm like, "What are you doing? Get out of here!" Yeah. <laughs> I it just I'm kind of disgusted. It's just sitting here now on my desk. I'm gonna throw it in the garbage. It's a tool. I have to use it, but I certainly now look at it like. Are pieces the of enemy? this flaking off? Yes. It's the well, enemy. I know it's in other things. I mean, it's not like I'm eating toothpicks, but. No, it's not like you're chewing on that and digesting it. But the food that we eat yes. yeah, has yeah. ingested this plastic. And it's, I know, uh, Leslie and I had a long conversation about that before the podcast. And she said, can I share that? And I said, yes, please do. <laughs> this is a good venue yeah. <laughs> to share. Yeah, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's horrifying, frankly. So let's move on and and let's talk about Sarah and Sam Adams and the work that they're doing at Vert Asset Management. They run a, a fund that is focused on sustainable real estate. And I think a lot of people think, well, how's real estate sustainable? And they're going to talk about that and share a little bit about their process. Sam does the investing side, and Sarah has 
I love her title. She's the Chief Sustainability Officer, mm. which is amazing. And she does a lot of their shareholder advocacy work. And I, I really like their process and what they do. And let's listen to them talk about their shareholder advocacy and the sustainable real estate market. Perfect. This is Kim Griego-Kyle with the Deep Impact Investing Podcast. And I'm here again at the ESG for Impact Conference. I have an interesting couple who actually work together in this industry. I have Sam and Sarah Adams. Not the Sam Adams, but the Sam Adams. (laughs) We always joke about that in our office, but (laughs) they're with Vert Asset Management. Is that correct? That's correct. Great. So if you would both tell me what your particular jobs are at your firm. We are both co-founders and I am the chief executive officer. My primary role is leading the investment piece. I head up our investment research group which has two academics on it, and together we decide what are the most important metrics to measure real estate companies on in terms of their commitment to sustainability. So that's on the investment piece. And then the other side, work a lot on the education of financial advisors and how to do more sustainable investing. Great. So you focus mainly on real estate investing, and we're going to come back to that because I think a lot of people think, how can real estate be sustainable? Great. Sarah, tell us what your role is. So I am the Chief Sustainability Officer and co-founder for Asset Management, but my role is to focus on the engagement campaign and design that and keep tabs on policy change nationally and internationally and how that informs what we go out to companies to speak about around ES and G and what issues they should be factoring in when they are planning their management strategy around ESG. Great. And you do actual engagement with real estate companies? Yep. Actual engagement with global real estate investment trusts. Ooh, that's exciting. We're going to talk about that too. Sam, let's start with you. And you are CEO and Chief Investment Officer, CIO. Yeah. or you have a, a team who does... We call, the, the investment role is called head of the investment research group because what we're really focusing on is determining what are the important issues with regards to real estate and then narrowing them down to what are material metrics. What are the ones that are going to affect the company, financial outcomes? So it's not just what's important to us as people on this planet, but what's going to affect the companies going forward. And we think that's the driver of change. If we can get the companies to understand that these important issues are going to become financially material to them, they'll be more apt to listen to Sarah on the engagement side and say, this is going to, this is coming and we need to be prepared for it. That is super interesting. Tell me also how real estate becomes sustainable. How are you incorporating the E, the S, and the G, the environmental, the social, the governance pieces? Because people do ask me, how is real estate... ESG. So uh, we like to think of the real estate industry as a supplier to the rest of our lives and to our businesses, right? So we're always in a building. Humans spend 90% of our time indoors, whether it's our homes or our workplaces or our schools. And so it has a 
a big impact on us socially, on, on our health and well-being and our interactions with other people and whether it helps facilitate better health and better connected connectedness. But it's also a huge contributor to the climate change problem. Absolutely. So buildings consume 40% of the world's energy and release 33% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. And so that's the bad news. The good news is we know how to make buildings more sustainable from an environmental perspective. We know how to reduce their energy use. We need to use better insulation, lower voltage lights like LEDs. There's all kinds of technology that are available to us to make those buildings more sustainable from an environmental perspective, but also from a health and well-being perspective for people. We can have better indoor air quality, which is very important these days. And, right. Uh, especially spending because of, so much time in buildings. Right, because of COVID, but also making better connections, making us move around more. There's lo- lots of ways to make buildings better for people as well. Sarah, is that a lot of what you're doing when you're engaging these companies, these corporations? So each year we've gone out to speak to the entire portfolio. For the, so we've run our fund now for nearly four years. So we've had four umbrella engagement campaigns. And the first year it was around getting the importance of the company to report out standardized metrics for the investor. Like the investor marketplace needs to see standardized greenhouse gas emissions to, to keep tabs on you, but also so we have better information to invest on. The second year, we engaged with all of the companies in our fund again around the task force for climate-related financial disclosures. And so that's the management piece, in the, and there's a resilience piece in there. We did use climate risk data to go out to those companies to say, hey, you do have a climate risk. That's one piece of where your properties are located. But what are you doing about it from a management and a strategy point of view? And that's where the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures gives a common framework to get companies to pull that information out of their company and report it out to us as investors. And then the last year, we had engaged with companies more specifically around net zero goals, ambitions, targets, how are they managing their operational carbon? That's how do they run, you know, today's building that we're in, how do they manage that for less energy use? And we're also asking them about embodied carbon. And that's for something that's a new development or in our case many REITs own property that will be redeveloped, but some do deep retrofits. And so the embodied carbon is about what are the materials that are being used in the construction of the building. So we've found that companies are very responsive to have this dialogue with us as an investor, and we're certainly not the only ones looking at real estate. We've actually partnered with a group in the Netherlands called Green to do some more. So vert, green, green, green. We've partnered with green to do another pass at some of the larger global REITs on asset level sustainability plans. This all dovetails into what Sam was just saying around these metrics and having buildings be a place that is healthy for people to interact in. Wow, that's a lot. And super fascinating. I'm just sitting here listening to both of you talk and I'm thinking we could really talk about a lot of these different aspects of things that you're doing. And I'm wondering if the two of you would be willing to continue this conversation with me on a full episode 
of the podcast. We would love that. It's We have lots of exciting stories about buildings and building owners and some of the really neat things they're doing to make the buildings healthier and uh, better for the planet. And so it's one of the things that I think is really fascinating about real estate is that we, uh, it's very tangible, right? Yeah. And so people are connected to it. Investors can understand quite quickly what a sustainability initiative is within a building. And again, there's lots of solutions that we can be talking about. So we would love to participate yes, in I that. Yes, I think the stories, the solutions, a deeper dive into the advocacy piece and what you're doing. I have a lot of questions about that. So let's plan on that. That sounds great. Yeah. And just quickly, tell me what you've gotten out of this conference so far. Oh, gosh, it's so nice to be back in person with people. I'm glad that we can do it from a safe in a safe way. But really, you know, I think although an investment might seem to take place on a platform or someplace else. It's really about human relationship. So it's nice to be con- in conversation with others again. It is. It's been great to see people in person. And the you know this is the conference where the leaders in ESG and SRI are at. And oh, they publish white papers and blogs and podcasts and things. But when you're in person and talking to them, they share the, the next idea that might not be fully formed yet or what they're thinking about. And then we get help with our, our ideas. And I think this is the place where progress happens. And it's just exciting to be a part of that. That is a great point. Thank you so much for spending some time with me, and we will further our conversation soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Kim, this is fantastic. I I, I love the fact that there's a husband and wife out there working together, working on, I mean, working towards one goal. And I've worked closely with my wife in the past, and it's not always easy, but when you have a passion for what you do, you you know, my wife and I worked at Boys Town, so we were together all the time. And it's hard. It's, it's very difficult unless, I mean, it's still difficult, but it, what binds you together, what really, really glues you together is that one primary focus on making a difference. And so for them, I mean, obviously that's where their heart and their passion is. And, and I, I loved it. It was great. It was. And they seem to work incredibly well together. And I really enjoyed that about them. I did ask them if we could further their conversation and have them on a full podcast. And they were, of course, thrilled. And oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so I think we'll bring them back and talk a little more in depth about really what sustainable real estate is because we just skimmed the surface here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's an interesting topic. And so we talked about sustainable real estate. We talked about shareholder advocacy in that realm. We talked about the Green Century Funds, and a little bit about the zero carbon energy process, and of course, a lot on shareholder advocacy. These are funds that we do use in our portfolios, and if listeners are interested, they want to know more about this, I hope that they will contact us. They can email me at kim at horizonssfs.com, or call me on the phone, 505 982 661. Perfect. I, I appreciate you always making yourself available to anybody who has questions and, and wants to know more because you're an educator at heart. Um, that's why you started this podcast. And so uh, I just want to thank you so much for, again, doing these interviews, bringing these people on the show and uh, doing everything you can to make a difference. That is my goal. And you're right. I am an educator at heart. And I, I do focus on that with clients. I tell them education is key. 
Yeah, so absolutely. Keep it going. Well, we're here to educate you, audience. And I say we, I mean her. It's just all her. <laughs> but the thank you gets to come from me here at the end. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Greg O'Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.